2: Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob Kemp, Kayla Martellaro here with you on this Monday, February 5th. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions and get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which will be a poll question up for the duration of the week as we are preparing ourselves for Super Bowl 58 from Las Vegas. So who do you have in the Super Bowl, Kansas City plus two or San Francisco minus two? And Kansas City's lead just continues to grow. 86% of the vote on the Kansas City plus two side of things and San Francisco minus two sitting at 14%. We'll touch on a few things in regards to this game, uh, but obviously as the week rolls on is when we'll officially have our answer. Over on X at KDUS AM 1060, does Devin Booker complain too often to the NBA refs Yes continues its lead at 76.2% of the vote. No trailing at 23.8%. That is a question that we will answer around 1230 and plenty of time for you to continue to cast your vote. We'll take your phone calls in this hour, 602-260-1060, and we'll do that around 1215 today. Let's uh, wrap up the college basketball conversation and bring it back here locally with Cal beating ASU 81-66. to 66. ASU shot 38.6% from the floor, 33.3% from three, which was 8 of 24, 4 of 7 from the foul line. Meanwhile, Cal shot 50% from the floor, 50% from three, 11 of 22, and was 16 of 19 from the foul line. ASU is now 5-6 and six in Pac-12 play. Is this just indicative of ASU kind of throwing in the towel?
1: They're bad. Um, almost sound like Bobby Hurley might be thrown in the towel a little bit in his post-game press conference. He mentioned, uh, you know, this uh, he had to rebuild this team after a lot of guys transferred out after last year, and uh, he seemed to uh, infer, at least, that uh, you know that uh, this team does certainly the pieces aren't fitting. There's no doubt about that, and uh, you know clearly ASU was outplayed. Out coached, out hustled, from the start of the game. Uh, Cal, as I've mentioned a few times, they're still even though they're better, uh, they're still the uh, I think the least talented team in the entire conference. Uh, ASU had dominated Cal like most teams have in recent years. They had won 11 of their last 12 meetings against Cal, and there was no doubt from the start. Uh, ASU fell down 8-0 in this game. And they never really competed, in my opinion. They were down 58-26 at halftime. They got some garbage points at the end, but it was at one point 68 to point 68-48 uh, before, you know, basically, uh, you, know, you know, ASU made a run, quote-unquote. Their two best players, uh, Frankie Collins and uh, Jose Perez, did not score a field goal in the first half. Uh, Collins uh, had 13 points in the second half, however, but... Uh, Perez had one point and one rebound, and arguably he's been their best all-around player uh, this season. Well, second, Collins has been their best all-around player, but Perez has been their best scorer slash rebounder, and Perez uh, basically got benched in the second half by Bobby Hurley, and Hurley refused to elaborate as to why Perez was benched in the postgame.
2: Then you have U of A here topping Stanford 82-71. to Ballo, 18 points, 13 rebounds. Caleb Love, 18 points, 7 assists, 8 rebounds. Uh, the Wildcats are now sitting at 8-3 in Pac-12 play and also in this particular instance avenged uh, giving up 100 points to Stanford earlier.
1: And it looked like they might give up 100 points again to Stanford. Stanford scored 45 points in the first half of this game. Uh, the U of A trailed by 11 at halftime, then they outscored Stanford in the second half, 48-26. to 26. And uh, that's really the first decent defense, in my opinion, that the U of A has played in literally weeks. I would say even going back to early December, uh, the last time that they played above average defense. And they only did it for a half, uh, but they got away with that. Also, uh, really, I think made a huge difference in this game that Stanford were without uh, was you know, without its best player, uh, you know, uh, Kanan La- uh, Carlisle. Kanan Carlisle, uh, Carlisle had 28 points in that game. And as you mentioned, uh, the New Year's Eve massacre, as I called it last week, and uh, during the Sports Zone when uh, Stanford beat the U of A and scored 100 in that game, uh, you know, Carlisle had 28 in that game and. He's their starting point guard. He's by far their best player. He got hurt in the first part of the game against ASU uh, last Thursday night, and uh, Stanford still went on to blow out ASU in the last few minutes of that game, long after Carlisle actually left that game.
2: When you look at what's going on in the Pac-12, the Wildcats sit atop the Pac-12 at eight and three. Then Oregon sitting at seven and four. WSU seven and four. Stanford six and five. Utah six and five. Colorado six and five. UCLA six and five.
1: Well, one thing: uh, if Stanford had won that game last night in Tucson, they would have been in first place. Uh, by you know, they they would have won the season series against the U of A. Uh, they would have been, uh, you know, as far as just the seeding for the upcoming uh, Pac-12 tournament next month, which could be kind of wild because, you know, some of these teams at the bottom have had tons of injuries and they might get some people back. In fact, USC's last in the conference, and they got two of their best players back from injury here in the last couple of days. But if Stanford you know, you played that game, if they'd finished the game like they played the first half last night, we'd they'd be sitting in first place right down in the Pac-12.
2: Let's do a little golf here. The AT&T Pebble Beach ended up being shortened to a 54-hole tournament because of inclement weather. Uh, Winds ended up getting so bad yesterday. Trees down. I think they even had local ordinances with shelter in place, lost electricity. So it was just a 54-hole tournament. And on Saturday, Wyndham Clark ended up shooting 60 in round three to vault himself up into first place. He had a shot at 59, but two putted on 18. Still was able to set the Pebble Beach course record with 60. As uh, the tournament was called after 54 holes, Wyndham Clark was your winner uh, with a one-stroke victory over Ludwig Oberg uh, at 16 under par, and Matthew Pavon continuing his uh, great play after he won last week at Tory Pines at 15 under par. The long shots, though, they continue. I saw odds for Wyndham Clark at like 100 to one. Uh, also seeing things at like 75 to one. 100 to one seems a little bit long. I mean, he is a, a U.S. Open champion, but uh, uh, playing playing some good golf for Wyndham Clark there and getting that victory in the shortened event. We. We're able to cash Eric Cole, top 20, as he finished in a tie for 14th. Our long shot, Adam Hadwin, uh, finished in a tie for 39th. So we didn't hit that, and obviously we didn't hit our outrights here. But we'll be looking ahead to the WM Phoenix Open Every time, though, I keep looking at the weather, it's changing drastically. Yesterday morning, I looked, and it said sunny on Saturday. Today, I look, and it says uh, rain and 57 degrees. So I'm hoping at some point the sun works its way into Saturday so there's a sunny Saturday-Sunday contest because much of the week so far is expected to be cold and rainy. Also... With what took place at the Pebble Beach tournament, we're starting to see more and more players end up withdrawing from this event. You had Xander Shoffley withdraw this morning. You've had Victor Hovland withdraw. His game just seems to be in a rough place right now, so there is a report that he wanted to go back and work with his, his coaches this week before getting ready for Riviera, because if we think about the schedule for the PGA Tour this year, once again, the signature events, the WM Phoenix Open is not a signature event this year uh, as it was last year. It'll be in a rotational basis but scotty scheffler he's coming in as a two-time defending champion others that are set to play sam burns matt fitzpatrick ricky fowler max homa tom kim scotty scheffler obviously is a two-time defending champion jordan spieth and justin thomas haven't seen anything else about uh, any more withdrawals other than xander and victor hovland so we'll of course try to figure out what to do for the wm phoenix open this week i got one quick thing here
1: about the weather, as far as my nifty little weather app. Uh, Rain starts tomorrow, continues through Thursday. Friday looks okay. Uh, Saturday is going to rain, and then Sunday it's going to (laughs) rain.
2: Well, I hope that your nifty weather app is wrong, that all of a sudden, like, all the rain comes in on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it's beautiful for the rest of the week.
1: Maybe they can play the whole tournament on Saturday. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I did want to go back just briefly to the AT&T Pebble Beach event. So the first two rounds were the only two rounds that included uh, the amateurs. So I wanted to give you, Bob, an update on the quarterbacks that were playing so Josh oh, Allen, yeah. yeah, Josh Allen, he actually finished in a tie for six with Keith Mitchell at 14 under par. Then you had Aaron Rodgers finishing in a tie for 12th with Bo Hostler at 13 under par and Tom Brady finishing in a tie for 20th with Keegan Bradley hmm. at 12 under par. So that's how the quarterbacks finished up.
1: So Brad, wasn't Brady winning that sweepstakes when we talked on
2: friday he was but maybe there well so there was this video that was circling around on social media and the caption were was he's one of us uh because (laughs) he just completely topped it off the tee the ball went Uh, yeah it it only went a few yards and and yeah so
1: uh
2: not great there
1: i knew it I knew he grew up in San Francisco, Northern California. They got some golf courses there, obviously, as you just mentioned. But uh, he did play—he you know, did play football in Michigan and New England. So I'm not sure how much he got to golf there. So that's my excuse for his—you uh, know—apparently uh, things not going great for him.
2: Yeah, the the top was bad. I saw a few putts that he hit on Thursday, and the dreaded deceleration was coming into play with his stroke. It was kind of like a, just slowing the pace down as you're making contact into the ball, and the ball was just meandering off to the right. So uh, he needed to work on that a little bit, and then obviously uh, topping it off the tee is is not what you're looking for. Okay.
1: Well, I, I've noticed over the years as I've gotten older, deceleration's a good word or a bad <laughs> word, but it's an, it's an accurate word.
2: Yeah, it's never good in the golf swing. You just have to stay committed. Even if it's like going to go 900 miles offline, you'd better stay committed to what you're doing. Uh, Deceleration gets you in more trouble, that's for certain.
1: I'm not even talking about golf.
2: (laughs) Your phone calls next.
1: Have you downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone.
2: to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Your phone calls if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060, early conversations about Super Bowl 58 with the Chiefs and the 49ers set to, uh, set to face off on Sunday Moves around the NFL, the Suns, as they get set to host the Bucks tomorrow night, 8 p.m. on TNT. College hoops and more, 602 260 1060 is the number. Uh, Let's discuss a little bit here about Cliff Kingsbury reportedly was set to be the offensive coordinator with the Raiders. He then withdraws his name and now he is officially the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. The Commanders here will have offensive decisions obviously to make it quarterback with the number two overall pick and defensively they brought in uh, Joe Witt Jr. Who was the secondary coach and defensive passing game coordinator uh, with Dan Quinn with the Cowboys, and now he's going to be the new D.C. in Washington.
1: Yeah, I listened to a conversation on Good Morning Football this morning about, uh, you know, Kingsbury getting this job. And how can they get uh, Caleb Williams to Washington? Well, you know, Washington has the second pick and Chicago has the first pick. Uh, maybe they're, you know, I guess the, I think the best chance obviously is that the Bears foolishly decide Justin Fields is their quarterback of the future and the Bears bypass on Caleb Williams. I can't imagine the Bears would trade out of the first pick uh, when there's a quarterback to be had for a second consecutive year uh, unless they're dumb enough to just keep Justin Fields. So uh, I guess that that's their hope for the uh, for the commanders at this point as far as uh, uh but obviously you know, for people that don't know uh kingsbury was uh, uh i don't remember what his official title was on the staff last year at usc for lincoln riley his good buddy uh from their big 12 days uh but you know he was uh, yeah, and caleb williams has had very good things to say about cliff kingsbury i remember seeing that when they played here uh against asu last year that particular week and Apparently they have uh, a good relationship and so forth. So I don't know if Caleb Williams is, you know, who knows what's coming out of the Caleb Williams camp, which seems to be kind of strange. Uh, And uh, maybe strange is the wrong word, but it doesn't seem to be, it seems to be a lot of contradiction coming out of the Caleb Williams camp for months, let alone as we actually are in the calendar year of the actual draft itself.
2: Well, you were touching on the quarterbacks there, and I'm sure we're going to be uh, talking about this a lot with mock drafts, and especially, too, throwing it in here because the Cardinals have the fourth overall pick. So, Lance Zerolin, uh, he put in his first mock draft today, and the top five he has is that the Bears would go with Caleb Williams, then the Commanders here would go with Jaden Daniels, the Patriots going with Marvin Harrison Jr., the Cardinals then going with Romeo Odunze, and then the Falcons trading with the uh the chargers for drake may the chargers are going to take a quarterback no, no the falcons are trading with the chargers so the oh, okay. falcons are oh, taking sorry. drake may yeah
1: okay my bad okay yeah i guess so it's the, it's hard these mock drafts that include trades are you know, kind of uh interesting in itself <laughs> um because they're just kind of uh uh, maybe, maybe this is more of a uh, what he hopes happens in the draft as opposed to what actually might happen in the draft, uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, the, uh, it seems like everybody in the world that thinks the Chargers, if they keep the fifth pick, are going to take uh, you know, Brock Bowers.
2: Yeah, a tight end would be uh, really helpful for that offensive scheme of what uh, I think Jim Harbaugh, who is set to also bring in Greg Roman to be uh, the offensive coordinator there. They, of course, had stints together in Stanford and uh, 49ers, and then Roman was also with his brother John for a while as the Ravens' offensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, I don't know why there's some surprise about that, because we talked about it last week in the Sports Zone a couple of times that Roman was going to be on the staff. Uh, so it seemed to be some stunning talk from some of the NFL, uh, you know, shows on last weekend, last Friday, I guess, when I first heard this, that it was official, but you know, why are they surprised about this? I'm confused because that seemed like it just to be an obvious choice and it had been reported by some people, but apparently not everybody was on board with that.
2: And then the final thing before we get to call 602-260-1060 is the number. Uh, Steve Belichick is set to be the new Washington Huskies defensive coordinator joining Jed Fish's staff. Um, obviously, Belichick has been with his dad on the Patriots staff. He was the uh, signal caller for the defense for the last uh, at least five or six years or so. And uh, he has a relationship with Jed Fish when Jed was on the staff with the Patriots for, for a year.
1: Uh, I think he was the quarterback's coach for the Patriots for a year, right?
2: Yeah, I, I don't remember what, ex- you know, titles with the Patriots, they, they have really no idea point. what they're actually doing.
1: That, that, that's true. That, that's, you know, never mind. Sorry, I brought that up. But he was on the staff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so. He was on the staff doing yeah. something. But yeah, I do think you were correct about the quarterback coach
1: officially or unofficially correct
2: <laughs> 602-260-1060 is the number taking your phone calls now and we go out to the kdos hotline it's al in phoenix what's on your mind today al well
0: hi first of all hi kayla and bob and yeah what's on my mind is i'm beginning to wonder if it's is it time for asu to move on from bobby early i mean you just really gave him a contract
1: extension mind? he's well was Slow down. Oh, no. They just gave him a contract extension in the last uh, year. He's not going anywhere unless he leaves on his uh, own. And yeah, I don't right. think, That's you know, name. the fact that St. John's and Seton Hall job, those jobs aren't opening this year because, you know, Patino and and also, uh, you know, gone totally blank, the dude who used to be the uh, – Shaheen Holloway. Uh, they're doing excellent jobs at those two schools. So those always seem to be the two schools that are connected with Hurley. Uh, so uh, he's not going anywhere. Um it clearly, um, if people, you know, it's easily accessible because I found it, and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Obviously, uh, if you didn't watch Hurley's press conference after Saturday's loss to Cal, uh, and if you have any any interest in ASU basketball, you should listen to that press conference.
0: All right, I'll do that. Uh, you know, because I was thinking, I always think about Randy Bennett as a, as a. I think he would do so well. You know, he's a he's a lo, local Bad. guy. His program at St. Mary's is consistently, you know, uh, well, at least a contender in the in the uh, Big West Conference and, uh, and it gets to the tournament. And I just thought he would be, you know, he'd be at night. It seems like ASU never even, I don't
1: know if he even gets the interviews when, they have, when they've when they had
0: the opening. But
1: I don't think he wants the job. Why would he leave St. Mary's to come here? I mean, he's at a, <laughs> no. I'm not joking. I'm not trying to be sarcastic here for a change. He has a really good program, and he's done a tremendous job of building that program. He has a pipeline to Australian players, which has helped him tremendously at uh, St. Mary's. Uh, you know, the ASU is going to the most difficult basketball conference on the planet, the Big Twelve. ASU will be lucky to win five games in the Big Twelve next season. I don't care who their roster is. Uh, in the U of A, I think it'd be lucky to be barely above 500 in the Big 12 next season. That's how good the Big 12 is. There is zero reason that I can imagine that Randy Bennett would want to leave St. Mary's to go coach ASU. Uh, you you made the
0: You know, and I'm actually, I'm worried about U of A next year. I really think that, you know, going to that conference. You
1: should be. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know well, if the, if, gonna... if the Pac-12 is any good this year, they wouldn't be leading the conference. And if Stanford had played the second half as they did in the first half, Stanford would be leading the Pac-12 today.
0: <laughs> That's frightening in its own way. It, 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 I guess Gerard Haas has a lifetime contract there. So. Uh, yeah. it's a, it's well, amazing. it's a part um, of the deal
1: at Stanford. I mean, it took forever to fire David Shaw, or part ways. What, I don't think they ever Stanford, quote fired they him.
0: the Big 12?
1: Uh, They're going to the ACC. Oh,
0: well, actually, I'm probably better off going there than the Big
1: 12. Uh, if you can, if, you, know, if you, can if, you know, I guess they can afford the travel. And you, uh, considering that Stanford is so good in all the Olympic sports, um, I'm not familiar whether the ACC has got any history in the Olympic sports. Uh, so that that to me seemed to be the strangest of all the uh, the uh, the uh, geographic or non-geographic uh, conference realignment changes. I mean, Stanford, and the Cal ACC, to, to ACC make ACC makes too? no sense. They are.
0: Is Cal? It, oh, see, and Cal doesn't have. See, Stanford has a lot of money. Cal, on the other hand, i am always heard that they, that they've been, you know, in some cases nearly broke in some sports. Correct, really and SM,
1: SM, SMU is the third team that's joining the, SC, the uh, ACC. Next, oh, year. SMU makes. SMU yeah, that ma- that yeah. makes total sense to me, and, and I'm sure that they love. I think the ACC is happy and they're getting into California, and uh, you know, Duke is requiring basketball wise. They've gotten a lot of guys from California over the years, including Jay Billis way back in the day. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as, uh, yeah, I don't know what the exact, you know, and, and SMU, I'm sure they're thrilled to get into Texas. That That's, those are good things for the ACC. I don't quite see how it's good for, you know, especially Stanford and Cal going to the ACC other than just, I'm sure money. And
0: last thing, I don't think we can underestimate the, I don't know if it's stupidity, the foolishness or just oddness of the Bears but i i i wouldn't be shocked if they didn't uh, they either if they trade that pick or they draft a non quarterback
1: uh they've done oh, they're so many take a, bizarre they moves. they keep the you – know, there's no way in hell they're going to keep the keep the pick and take a non quarterback uh yeah. so yeah. I, mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean well i should rephrase that i apologize the the way they if they if they're dumb enough to keep Justin Fields and they could get at least a second-round pick, I assume, for Justin Fields and then still take the quarterback, who is much better than Dustin, or Justin Fields when they were both in college, and Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels, for that matter, is much better than, than Justin Fields was in college. And Fields was an okay – he was an above-average college quarterback. But I don't remember anybody in their right mind thinking that, man, he's worthy of being the first pick of the NFL draft, which is – you know, I think the Daniels would be the first pick in the NFL draft if Caleb Williams were not in this draft. Well, we'll see. All right, thanks, Bob.
2: Thanks, Caleb. 602-260-1060, that's the number to chime in. Uh, so the Senior Bowl was this weekend and Eric Edholm had his five takeaways from the national 16 to 7 victory over the American in the senior bowl and first up for him was that Spencer Rattler ended up being the top performer at quarterback he had the first two series of the game going 4 for 4 for 65 yards and a 29-yard touchdown pass he was also named the MVP of the game edholm said that he found him to be the most consistent quarterback throughout the week Added in that Bo Nix had a touchdown in the game. His week started slow but improved throughout the week. But Sam Hartman found himself having a rough game, a rough week. 7 of 25 for 69 yards and an interception.
1: Rattler measured 6 feet tall. That's not good.
2: No, that is not good. Uh, Number 2 on his five takeaways here is that the defensive backs turn heads. Uh, Oregon safety Evan Williams uh, made a diving interception in the second quarter. WSU's uh, Smith Wade dove for a Milton overthrow, and then he ran it back for 83 yards. He also had another pick toward the end of the game. And Louisville's Jarvis Brownlee Jr. also had a pick, and Ed Holmes said, a really solid week.
1: Okay, see so if I can get this right. Oregon has a good defensive back. They yeah. have a, they've got a billion of them every year. They've got I don't, even different coaching staffs. Uh, they've, they've done a tremendous job of developing defensive backs. And the other thing that's less than shocking here, Joe Milton overthrew a receiver? Really?
2: <laughs> Third on this list for Eric Edholm is Florida State's defensive Tackle Braden Fisk uh, made Daniel Jeremiah's ten practice standouts, and then in the game he continued on with four tackles, one and a half uh, tackles for a loss, a half a sack, and he also made some really quality run stops.
1: Yeah, and you know, Florida State when they were intact, which was you know before they obviously had the injuries and the defections that they before the bowl game. Uh, they were really good, and uh, they their defensive front was really dominant, especially in the ACC, which lacked good offensive lines. Uh, maybe that's you know, so it's kind of hard to get a full uh, you know character characterization of how good that defensive line was. But you know, he was one of the guys that definitely stood out during the college football season, and they had three or four guys that I would be I would be surprised if. Uh, they were not drafted in the first you know, two or three rounds. At the, maybe even you know maybe all you know, a couple of those guys should be first-round picks. But they had a bunch of you know, they played like seven or eight guys in the defensive line, and there wasn't that much of a drop-off. But their top two or three dudes, I would think, would be first or second-round picks, maybe third-round picks this year in this uh, 2024 draft.
2: Fourth on his list was undersized running back, standing tall, Amani Bailey, 5'7", 208 yards, but he was able to power through contact, 53 yards on 10 carries, 4 catches, 34 yards. Cody Schrader, he's 5'8", 207 pounds. He uh, was bottled up a little bit more in the ground game. He only had one long run of 7 yards, but he did have 5 catches for 54 yards.
1: Yeah, he was amazing at uh, Missouri. I mean, he went to Truman University or Truman College or whatever they call that in Missouri uh, his first couple of years. Uh, I've never heard of know, I know who Truman is, and I know that Truman's from Missouri and whatever back in the day. Uh, But uh, he was a small college guy and uh, walked on to Missouri and ended up being the leading rusher in the SEC. Uh, By the time that he left Missouri, And uh, he had a very good bowl game against Ohio State. And Ohio State, while they had offensive issues in that bowl game, their defense was mostly intact for that bowl game. And he made some plays in that particular game. There weren't many plays by offenses made in that game. But the ones that were made, he seemed to be the guy that made them.
2: And number five here is that uh, there could be another McCaffrey in the NFL. Luke McCaffrey had two nice catches. Uh, One was a one-handed grab. He also had a 20-yard punt return. So certainly showing some versatility of different ways he can get himself onto an NFL roster.
1: Well, versatility is the key word here. Uh, He played quarterback uh, in college some. He played like three or four different positions in college. So I would think that – just the versatility alone uh, in his last name, uh, not just his, you know, not just Christian McCaffrey, but Ed's the dad, and Ed was a tremendous player in the NFL and college, uh, an excellent receiver. And uh, the thing, I unfortunately, I always remember about Ed is he had a horrible injury uh, that pretty much, I don't know if it officially ended his career. I think he came back and tried to play a little more. Got heard in the Monday night game before 9-11, which, you know, the, the morning, you know, I, I was on the air uh, in doing my syndicated show uh, during that, right, right after that game on uh, the Monday night game when he was playing for the Broncos, the horrible injury, and uh, that would have been like a big topic of discussion for the rest of the week, at least, before 9-11 happened.
2: Yeah, and there's all this, uh, you know, symmetry as well with uh, Ed McCaffrey and Mike Shanahan and obviously Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan and also both of their times and experiences with the 49ers organization for Ed and uh, Mike Shanahan. And uh, then obviously their Super Bowl wins as well with the Broncos.
1: And I'm sure there'll be some nut that uh, if, uh, you know, if Brock Purdy uh, lays an egg in the Super Bowl, we'll, cons- uh, we'll suggest that McCaffrey should be drafted and become the next quarterback of the 49ers.
2: On the other side, it's poll question time. The KDOS1060.com poll question, as well as the X poll question, we'll get into that. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, as always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app on this Monday, February 5th. Poll questions are coming up next.
0: Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060.
2: Poll question time here in the Extra Point on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdus 1060com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Let's go to the kdos1060.com poll question uh which will obviously have a more official answer on Friday here but Holy smokes, this has changed dramatically. Who do you got in the Super Bowl? Kansas City plus two, San Francisco minus two. Kansas City was out in front the last time I updated this to start hour number two by a wide margin. And it is flipped. San Francisco sitting at 63% of the vote. Kansas City now at 37%.
1: Okay, I got to make a note here at the end of sixty-three percent because we're going to be updating this tomorrow, and uh, I'm allegedly in charge tomorrow for the one-hour sports on. So there you go, sixty-three percent. Got it written down, and I'm pretty sure I won't lose it unless somebody steals my desk calendar in the next twenty-four hours. Okay, um, actually, um, I don't know how to react to this, quite <laughs> frankly. But uh, you know, the one thing I do know is uh, the one thing that I just saw a few minutes ago. Is uh, the uh, 49ers, uh, you no, know, which, yeah, the 49ers are very unhappy. No, no, I'm sorry. Kansas City is very unhappy with their Las Vegas uh, UNLV practice facility.
2: That is correct. I've seen that as well. Uh, I think Adam Schefter even said something about how, like, the field itself was sketchy. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's not great news.
1: They've had a bunch of rain in Las Vegas, as we've had, at least for us, here. And in, obviously, Southern California has had a ton of rain, and really California in general has had a ton of rain in the last few days and few weeks, at least compared to what the usual rainfall is. So I wonder if that plays a role. Uh, UNLV, to my knowledge, while they obviously play their home games indoors, they do not have an indoor practice facility. Uh so um we'll see uh, whether I don't know if they can go anywhere else. Uh there's some high schools. Uh Gorman High School comes to mind in Las Vegas on Maryland Parkway. Uh for those of you who uh you know navigate your way through Las Vegas, you don't go near Maryland Parkway because you're probably in the strip, but whatever. Uh but yeah, Gorman, uh, I've actually been to high school games there, not for a few years. Uh, but they had a tremendous and very fast surface way back in you know, 20 years ago. Um, so maybe they, they would you – know, I don't think they're going to change the whole deal, but maybe they should have gone there originally because I'm guessing – I know one time for sure the Gorman High School practice field was better than the UNLV offered.
2: Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, obviously that's going to be uh, a topic of conversation about the different the disparity of the practice facilities. Just hope that if the field is as bad as they say it is, uh, that it doesn't result in any injuries or anything like that ahead of the Super Bowl. You don't want that ahead of the big game. One,
1: wonder if San Francisco is practicing a Gorman. <laughs> so that would be a uh, piss off the Chiefs even more.
2: I'll have to do some research as to where exactly they're practicing and see if anything pops up. Um, yeah,
1: because when they've had, when they have a Super Bowl is here, they've uh, you know teams have practiced at a couple of high schools here.
2: Yeah, and uh, then I think this past year they were able to practice at ASU's facility, and then another team. Yeah. yeah. So they were kind of uh, able to have some of those better better facilities. Yeah. Oh, but it's so, so it's actually here. Um, is this correct? It's actually the 49ers who have the okay. UNLV field. And the Chiefs okay, have the okay, can, Raiders field.
1: Well, the Raiders are outside of Henderson. I do know that. So, Well, they have an indoor facility in Henderson, though, too. So if that's all true, they got hosed as far as that goes. should have. And uh, they, That's something that shouldn't have happened to begin with.
2: I did have some notes on George Kittle, um, but I think we'll save that for Wednesday for uh, just kind of some different things to talk about in terms of prepping for this game. So we'll save George Kittle. We'll update the He's poll. Got a quest- good
1: Super Bowl history. Is yeah. that it?
2: <laughs> a little bit about that, and then there actually was uh, a really interesting, lengthy article from Dan Pompey of the Athletic uh, that he did an entire breakdown on, like tight ends and kind of the varying different tight ends that we see in the league and George Kittle and uh, Travis Kelsey kind of almost depict the two different tight ends that we see and maybe where their games have been mirrored off her, and, and, and how they have some similarities but they have a lot of differences as well in their games
1: well the biggest difference is one's the best blocking tight end maybe ever or at least as far as a guy that could catch passes is a good tight end blocker And one doesn't block anybody at all because he's not really required to do so.
2: Yes. So we'll save all of that for another day. Updating here once again, San Francisco minus two, 63% of the vote. Kansas City plus two at 37% of the vote. Uh, And
1: and one one of them I told dates a famous singer and the other one I don't think does.
2: Yeah, she was there at the Grammys. She won. Uh, She's going to Japan like today, right, for the next like
1: week, and then she's going to fly back because she's got these shows in Japan?
2: She's a busy lady because she's flying all around the country and all around the world, I should say. And then supposedly all the Swifties went absolutely crazy because she made an announcement uh, that she has a new album coming out in April, Bob. Uh, Yeah, and I was... Curious as to why this was a big deal, because apparently she's been re-recording previous albums, and that was supposed to be next in line, but she's been secretly working on a whole new album, so she surprises all the Swifties yesterday with this announcement, so that's coming out in April, apparently. So we can get you an album, and you can know all (laughs) the Swift songs and be dancing and bopping along, and yeah, I think that'll be great.
1: OK, it could be the greatest album of all time, but I'm not dancing and bopping along to too much anymore.
2: All right. Fair enough. I digress. Goes back to that
1: other thing we, goes back to thing we talked about earlier in the hour.
2: <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Over on X at Kdos AM 1060, does Devin Booker complain too often to the NBA refs? And uh, yeah, I'm on the the yes side of things here. I think there's obviously a fine line here of vocalizing your opinion to the referees when they're missing something that might be blatantly happening throughout the course of the game so you're also kind of trying to do a little bit of working the refs to your advantage and you know it's all part of the game right but um i I do think that he does it far too often for a little bit of like ticky tack things um and then carries on obviously a little bit too long evidenced by what Took place uh, against the wizards there
1: yeah yesterday was uh extreme even for him but uh i don't know I don't, i'm sure somebody keeps a stat of this because there's stats on everything i can't imagine there's a player in the league that uh asked his head coach to have a replay review more than devin booker does and uh Several times this year that Frank Vogel has actually done that, uh, that uh, they've not won the replay uh, challenge because it's nowhere near uh, what Booker thinks it is. Uh, So there's that. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I've talked to a couple of friends of mine, including one who's been a hardcore Suns fan since the inception in 1968, and they're just kind of tired of him bitching and moaning about everything. And it reached a new low, or however you'd like to phrase this. Yesterday, uh, he's—it's a 22-point game at the time in the first half. Uh, excuse me, I can't do math. An 18-point game in the first half because uh, the Wizards are terrible. It was 74 to 56. That would be 18. Uh, he was whistled for his fourth foul. He was in—he was in there in the second quarter still. Uh, he immediately got a technical foul for that, and it seemed to be, you know, I think I would say it was a shaky call. So I'll give him that part. But he gets the t, then he carries on further, doesn't leave the game in a timely fashion, doesn't, you know, because Vogel took him out after the fourth foul at that point. And the Suns got whistled for another t uh because of that so there were two technical fouls and you know obviously it wasn't going to affect the game because the wizards are just horrible and they weren't going to win that game in a million years uh they may not win they may not win another game ever in a million years uh but uh you know it was just it just reached it i was actually writing the pipeline yesterday while this was going on and i went well there's another poll question for me and i've been thinking about doing this anyway i knew i was going to do it at some point but yesterday just kind of uh spiraled into completely out of control in my opinion and a perfect time for a poll question
2: the masses are on the yes side of things at 77.3 percent of the vote no sitting at 22.7 this is over on x at kdus am 1060 we will just
1: add one other quick thing here i like the fact that the locals who watch every game i'm guessing to some extent uh, or that kind of confirms what I've been thinking. And uh, I, I, don't think, I think it's reached a point where the Suns need to just try to get him to shut up.
2: Well, I'm wondering, based upon the votes here, if that's also somewhat why, you know, when they have these, these fan voting, all-star things, et cetera, uh, that it takes a while for Booker to get on the roster, et cetera, that there is just a little yeah. bit of irritation about well, all of that.
1: Well, and the coaches vote for the reserves. They can't like coaching against him. I mean, he he carries on and doesn't shut
2: up. Wrapping it up on the other side of the break, it's The Extra Point. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays
0: to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KBUS AM 1060.
2: a lightning fast wrap-up of this Monday, February 5th edition of Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, with you up until a few more minutes. You can always follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. But, Bob, it's thank you time.
1: As always, we thank you. Uh, you know, I'm going to go really short here. Mike Tanier joined us during the Sports Zone. Uh, you can find Mike on X. That's T A N I E R uh, at Mike. It's at Mike Tanier on X. Also, sound, uh, sound Day, courtesy of CBS, Fox, three TV, Pac-12 Networks, FS1, ESPN, and also ACC Digital Network. And uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla is going to tell us what's coming up next.
2: That's right. Up next from. 1 to 3 o'clock it is the Doug Gottlieb show followed by the Rich Eisen show from 3 to 5 the sports do with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6 Monday night golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7 and then James out west which is normally uh, on Mondays from 7 to 8 they will actually be with you on Tuesday from 7 to 8 so just a little bit of a program change there uh, but Bob I know you were glued to the TV and Eli's NFC squad beat peyton's afc squad for the second straight year in the pro bowl 64 to 59 so eli's got uh got two up on his big uh, big bro
1: do we have a prop bet on that
2: we don't no we should
1: okay
2: Yeah. a a running tally of uh how many eli will have up on uh on peyton
1: could have cleaned up well next year Yeah. Got to remember that because I will not remember that next year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it for today's Extra Point, the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow at 10 a.m.